Today on Telling the Truth, Stuart Prisco teaches on how we sometimes forget God's promises and go off in the wrong direction. That's coming up in just a moment, but first, in Stuart Briscoe's insightful six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World, he helps you understand how God's Spirit works to transform you and renew your thoughts no matter what's going on around you. And through your support today, you can help others experience transformation in their lives as well. We'll say thanks for your gift by sending you a copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World. So call today to request your copy. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now, let's hear from Stuart with today's message, The People and the Book. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. (laughs) As a preacher, this is one of my favorite texts. (laughs) I'm going to read that again. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. As he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him, on his right, stood a number of fine gentlemen with unpronounceable names. (laughs) Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen. Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, who also had unpronounceable names, instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. That, incidentally, is the verse of Scripture that I've tried to use for over 60 years in my preaching ministry. Read from the book of the law, Make it clear, give the meaning, so the people can understand what was being read. 
And Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is sacred or holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food, sweet drinks. Send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. May God give us insight into this reading of his word. People of Israel had been brought into the land of promise after deliverance from slavery in Egypt. They had spent 40 years going around in circles in the wilderness because they were unwilling to enter into the promised land. But eventually, a remnant of them went into the land of promise. God had clearly outlined for them how they were to conduct themselves, what he had called them to, what they were to do, and what they were not to do, and he made an abundant promise to them. He said, you do, you do it my way, and you'll be just fine. You choose your own way, and the wheel will come off for you. And that's precisely what happened. And the wheel came off a big time. And for 70 years, they had been carried away into exile. Jerusalem had been devastated. Their temple, the center of their religious and social and national life, had been raised to the ground. And everything was utterly desolate. But after 70 years, God had raised up a friendly ruler in Babylon, who had not only given them the freedom to return to Jerusalem and to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, and particularly to re-establish the temple worship, but he had actually given them the means to do this. A remarkable turn of events. And they had gone back there. And we pick up the story at this particular point where after some considerable time battling against all kinds of problems, they had finally got the walls built and they got a temple built and they had established their homes. And we read right at the very beginning of the chapter that the people settled in their towns. So they were enjoying a degree of peace. They were enjoying a season of relative calm. They did feel more secure than they had felt when they didn't even have any walls to protect them. They had managed to build their homes. And so one would have thought that everything would just be fine for them. Their homes were not absolutely ideal. The walls that had been built were far from impregnable. The temple that they had built, well, actually, the old folks who remember the good old days, they just burst into tears when they saw it and said, this is pathetic compared to the temple 
that we did have, the one that we do remember. But having said that, there was some semblance of worship. They did have a degree of comfort. They were enjoying far more security than they had been enjoying. But still, there was something missing. Still, there was something missing. Does that ring a bell? I don't suppose any of us would say our circumstances are ideal. But they're a whole lot better than they could be. They're a whole lot better than the majority of people's circumstances in the world of which we're a part. And yet very, very often we don't spend our time rejoicing in the circumstances in which we find ourselves. All too often we have to admit that there is an inner sense there's something missing. There's something lacking. It isn't that we expect everything to be perfect. We don't. But we sure would like it to be closer to perfect than it is right now. If we begin to think in those categories, I think you'll probably agree with me that we have quite a lot in common with the people in Jerusalem. All was not well in Jerusalem. our circumstances are symptoms of spiritual problems. That's what Stuart Briscoe talks about today in his message, The People and the Book. We'll hear more from Stuart in just a moment, but first, your support helps Telling the Truth reach across the globe to share the love of God and message of Christ with people everywhere. So call today to request your copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World when you give to help more people experience life in Christ. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now let's get back to Stuart with today's message on Telling the Truth. A remarkable thing happened. You'll notice in the reading that we had a few minutes ago, probably didn't bother counting this as we were going through, but there are ten occasions on which the term the people are mentioned. If not the people, then certainly a synonym describing the same group of people. What actually happened in Jerusalem was a spontaneous people movement. Now, it's very, very unusual for that to happen. A spontaneous people movement. It did not come primarily from the leadership. We know all about Ezra. We know all about Nehemiah. We know all about the Levites. They were all in place. They were all doing their thing. Nehemiah, he'd done his job. He'd got them settled in their houses. He got the temple rebuilt. He had got the walls in place again. He'd done what he was supposed to do. It wasn't Nehemiah's idea that there should suddenly be an uprising of the people. It was spontaneous in the hearts of the people who were saying things are better than they were. Things are better than they could be. They're far from ideal, but there's still something missing. 
And you know what the people movement was all about? They called on Ezra the scribe. Now, Ezra had a different responsibility from Nehemiah. Nehemiah was the practical man. He'd got to deal with the buildings. He'd got to deal with security. He had to deal with facilities. He was getting everything fixed. That wasn't Ezra's job. Ezra's job was to deal with the heart concerns, with the spiritual dimension of the people's lives. And the people movement took the whole people, not to Nehemiah, to fix their housing and fix their walls and fix their unsatisfactory temple. The people went to Ezra and they said, you know, we think there's something missing here. And we think you're the person we need to talk to. And we are prepared to admit to you that we've been so busy building our houses, fixing the walls, doing all this stuff, we have neglected the word of the Lord. Bring the book. Bring the book. We need to return to the word of the Lord. Smart people. Not everybody has the ability when they look at their circumstances and say, you know, there's all kinds of economic inequality in our nation and we are developing class warfare. That's what was happening in Jerusalem. There are all kinds of problems in our homes that were settled in our houses. Everything looks fine on the inside, but we've got innumerable problems with our marriages. That's what was happening in Jerusalem. They say we are pleased with what we've got, but there's so much more that we need. That's what was happening in Jerusalem. But it takes unusual people to say these are very practical problems And we realize that they are the result of a spiritual malaise. We need the book. We need Ezra. We don't need more reforms in housing. We don't need more reforms in security. We don't need more reforms dealing with economic equality. They're not the issues right now. The issues are inside us. Bring the book. We need to hear from the Lord. Do you see a parallel here? I do. I do. I believe... Inside many of our churches, and undoubtedly outside our churches, there's a famine of hearing the word of God. That we are rushing around and we're saying we've got this problem, we've got that problem, we've got the other problem, somebody fix it. And we are not recognizing what the people of Jerusalem recognize. They had a spiritual problem. They had a spiritual problem that was manifesting itself in all these other dimensions of their lives. What they needed is to hear a word from the Lord. And they knew where to find it. The book of the law. That's what it was called sometimes. The book of the law of Moses. That's what it was called other kind. The book of the covenant. 
Sometimes it was called for very good reason. There were different books here. And they had been collected and they became known generally as the book of the law. The word translated law is Torah. The Torah, deeply revered by the Jewish people, is what we would call the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Different books that at some point, in some way, we don't know the details as to exactly how they were brought together, these different books became known as the Torah, God's word to the people of Israel. Now, when we call them the book of the law, it sounds as if it's just a book of regulations. Far from it. In actual fact, if you think in terms of the first five books of the Bible, you know perfectly well that what the people were saying was, we have a spiritual problem. We need to get into the book where God reveals himself to us and his purposes and his ways to us. That's what we need. And so they turned to the book and they started reading. It wasn't a book, of course, it was a scroll. It must have been a very, very long scroll if it included all the first five books of the Bible. That's why all those men were standing there, because they weren't turning pages. They were unscrolling the scroll and it would go on way, way, way across the platform. And Ezra began to read. He didn't just go on reading all the time. He would pause. But then the people were given the opportunity to ask questions. What wasn't clear was clarified. What was confusing, they tried to put it in order. And then Ezra would pick it up again. And hour after hour after hour after hour. In the heat of the day, the people stood there, hungry, hungry for the Word of God. This is Telling the Truth. You've just heard Stuart Briscoe with his message, The People and the Book. Stuart, you talked today about our society experiencing a famine in hearing from God. How do we change that? Yes, the the expression is a a biblical expression. There was a time when there was a famine of hearing the Word of God, and that referred particularly to the time when the prophets were no longer speaking to Israel. Um, The term uh, can be used, I think, uh, in our culture in a slightly different way. And uh, by using that term, what I'm trying to convey is that many, many people have little or no knowledge of God's Word. They have little or no knowledge of the Bible or little or no understanding of what the Bible actually says. Now, the question is, how how can we change it? Well, obviously one way we can do it is to continually broadcast it, continually make sure that the Word of God is being uh, announced, it is being proclaimed, it is being taught. 
but we need to do more than that because it's it's one thing to uh, simply broadcast and I'm not just talking about the kind of thing I'm doing right now I'm talking about spreading the word of God it's possible to do that to people who are not listening so what we need to do is find the people who are willing to listen and the people who need to hear and build a relationship with them and then in a winsome compelling balanced way we need to explain to people what God's Word actually says. How can a believer today get back on the correct path once they realize just how far they have drifted from God's intention for them? There's a story in the Old Testament about a man who borrowed an axe head uh, in times when uh, axe heads were very, very hard to come by. And he was swinging away and the axe head flew off and dropped into a river. And he went and reported that to the person to whom he was accountable. And the person in charge asked a very simple question, well, where did you lose it? And uh, when he explained where he lost it, he took him back to that particular place. What does that have to do with your question? I would say that when somebody begins to recognize that they've made some wrong turns, uh, in their spiritual life and have got far away from God's intention f- uh, for them, <laughs> what they need to do is to ask the question, well, where did I lose it? Where, where did, where did I take an intentional turn? Where did, uh, where, di- where did I willfully disobey what I knew was God's purpose for me? Well, go back to that point and put it right. Or or another way of looking at it would be, at what point did I start doubting? At what point did I start start, uh, becoming uncertain? Or at what point did I become distracted? All right, where did you lose it? Go back to where you lost it and deal with the issue there and then start patiently rebuilding the relationship. are you to process the unnerving events happening all around you in today's world? Does the Bible offer you any hope, help, or guidance? The answer, of course, is yes. Discover how God's Spirit works in you to transform you and renew your thoughts no matter what's going on around you with Stuart Briscoe's powerful six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World. Drawing from Romans 12, Stuart discusses how you can respond with wisdom and courage in today's most distressing circumstances. You'll discover how the Spirit of God is ever faithful, giving you the grace to think clearly in a messed up world. We'll send you this series as thanks for your gift of support to help more people experience life through the resources and teachings of telling the truth. Generous friends like you, keep broadcasts like today's going often reaching places where the gospel hasn't yet made inroads. So if you've never given before, please consider a gift today to help keep God's word going out around the world. And remember to request your copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World when you call and give. 1-800-889-5388. 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online when you visit tellingthetruth.org. Thanks for listening to today's program. We hope you'll join us again for more biblical wisdom from Stuart and Jill Briscoe. Experience life here on Telling the Truth.